also think that particularly like recurring meetings can sort of, once that they've out, outlived their usefulness, they stay on the calendar because of inertia and momentum and they've just sort of become this ceremony and it, this is just part of my job. Happy Tuesday, Gina. Hey, Chris. How's your How day How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, you know, another day in uh, client services, staring down a list of meetings, though, today. Ooh, meetings. <laughs> meetings. Love them or hate them. Love them or hate them. The, 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 where the work gets done and where the work goes to die. I, I can't tell. It depends. <laughs> it really depends on some, some you know. <laughs> depends some on meetings, the meeting. It depends on the meeting, right? Some meetings you come out of and you're like, that's great. We made decisions. We've got a plan. I feel good about this. And other meetings, you're like Not so much. six or seven minutes in and you're like, why am I here? Oh, and why are we doing this? Like we that, are, this is a, this is a ceremony. That is the worst feeling when you're, when you have just, sometimes it happens sooner. You're like 90 seconds in and you're like, oh, this is going to be bad. I'm going to sit here and bad listen to people talk for 55 minutes and not get anything done. And yeah. sometimes you can fix it. We're, we're lucky that we can sometimes abort those kinds of meetings, but not always. <laughs> not always. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Should we talk about what makes a good meeting? Like what, you know, there are some times where I look at my day and I'm like, I'm excited about this. We're going to talk about some good things. We're going to figure some things out, mm -hmm. but it's tricky. And especially when you're dealing with more senior people, like, uh, you know, we're executives now, we have to operate at a higher altitude. And, you know, what, what separates a good gathering of people from a not so good gathering of people is pretty, you know, there are some tried and true methods that make meetings better. Definitely. We should. We should. Because not, not only are we going to meetings and getting information or problem solving, we are going into meetings with executives at our clients. Yeah. And we want our clients to come out of every meeting with us going, great, I'm excited. I understand what's next. I understand what happened. Like this effort's going great. And I can't wait to see, you know, I can't wait for the next one. Right. And exactly. that's, a, that, that's a high, that's a high bar because let's face it, we're all uh, in a lot of meetings every single day, often on, you know, Zoom or, or Meet or Teams or whatever. And it can get, it can get monotonous. Um, but there are a few things that you can do to make a meeting good, better. Yes. Yes. I'll kick us off with, with one idea here restate the context for the meeting. This is a big one. Don't assume that everyone knows why you're there. Even the people who do know why you're there, it can help to say it again and to make sure that everybody, especially the bigger the meeting is, restating yeah. it, why this group is meeting and what background is relevant to what you're about to talk about is absolutely critical so that everybody has a common understanding about where you're coming from and where you're going. And it's so it's so common that nobody says anything. They just assume that you walk into the room and you know exactly what you're there to talk about. And especially for execs, they've got, you know, 14 million things happening in their world. Their brain is split into all these different directions. They've just had a marketing meeting and a sales update and, you know, a pipeline forecast. And now they're talking to a delivery team and the delivery team just starts rattling off, you know, here are the problems we need to solve or whatever it is without yes. any context about, you know, who, what are we talking about? What's this project? Where are we in the project life cycle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So making sure that everybody has a common understanding about 
where you are, what the context is, is so important. Yeah, this this is huge. I, I think, I mean, a common pattern that I see is that someone will use, you know, shorthand to title the meeting. A sh- shorthand meaning like a, a way, you know, oh, catch up about XYZ mm-hmm. or we're thinking about this thing. And and sometimes, but not always, folks will put a little bit of a description, you know, uh, you know, information in the, in the description. But yeah, you have to align on what that shorthand is. Like, like what, like, why are we here? And what's the context at, at a high level? Uh, it really helps. I Often, I start. I, I felt dumb about this, you know, for a while, but now I don't anymore. I, I started what do you mean to you go like, I, I felt dumb saying like, hold, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I don't know what we're talking about. Can you tell right. me in like a couple of sentences what what we're talking about here? Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt weird saying I don't know what we're talking about. I'm not familiar with all the problems on this project, but it, but it shouldn't feel weird because I'm you know we're skimming across projects. Uh, so stopping and saying, wait, hold up, what are we talking about? Or what did that mean? Sometimes people repeat shorthand or an acronym or, or a phrase that the team has been using and, and under, has a common understanding of what that is, but I don't know what that means. Like, say, can you, can you say, can you tell me what that means? That's huge. That's something that I try to do, but <laughs> it's better to just get ahead of it and start the meeting with like, let's just assume that no one knows what this is or why we're here. So here's the context. Absolutely. We, we see this with our clients all the time. You said it before, we're a client services company. This is something we always have to be thinking about is how yes. are our stakeholders receiving, you know, the, you know, the feedback from our teams in meetings day in and day out. And it's the same problem. It's, you know, you've got people who uh, are either, it's not that they're not empowered, but they, they don't think to raise their hand and say, hold on a second. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> or maybe, right. maybe more, maybe more like generously, you know, I'm not as familiar with what's going on day to day. Like I understand right. at a 50,000 foot view, but I now need to understand at a 10,000 foot view, like what we're actually here to talk about. I had a, a great uh, experience early in my career where I was uh, sitting with a, a chief technology officer and he raised his hand and he was like, assume that I don't know anything about this problem. Please walk mm. me through it. And it yes. was so powerful because I guarantee you in the, four minute recap that the person leading the meeting gave everybody else around the table was also like exactly was also gaining from that that recap so restate the context it's so important and and to go an extra step say how it relates to your audience and you are here because we're going to make a decision or because i want you know i want to get your sign off or because i want to get your agreement or you know we have two like so so that as you're listening to the context you can be prepared like i'm going to look for these bits of information before i you know respond or react or you know give the team what they need this is a great second bit of advice frame the problems make it personal to each person you know why you're having this discussion what you hope to get out of it and how the group and each individual in the group can contribute to solving the problems and it it doesn't take that much effort actually to say you know we have this broad thing we're trying to achieve and it breaks down into these six smaller things and each individual person is going to handle one of those six but it makes it it's so much faster to get to oh I see where I fit in and how I can contribute and frankly, where I shouldn't contribute or don't want to contribute additionally, because it, it clarifies the lanes a little bit. That framing can be really, really helpful. Definitely. Absolutely. Right. Because yeah. I mean, most meetings are trying to solve a problem, right? <laughs> That's right. So you, you got you to gotta set it up so that the, you can come to a solution. That's right. What about before the meeting? Anything people can do? There are times when I get meeting invites with with a title that I don't really totally understand and no description, and I'll say like, "What is this? What is this meeting about?" And then mm-hmm. I, I, there there'll be an answer, and I'll say, "Can you can you give me something to read beforehand?" 
And so I think a pre-read is incredibly helpful. I'll speak for myself. I don't always have the time to read the pre-read before the meeting, but I also love when it's like, here's the pre-read. And at the beginning of the meeting, did everyone get a chance to, to read this? If not, like, let's give everybody you know, five minutes. I know that it's like, you know, it, feels, it can feel like you're using, you know, wasting people's time by all sitting on a meeting reading together, but but it can, it actually is a time saver, right? It saves you time for not having to re-explain what was ever in in the pre-read. And I think that that pre-read can, can do those things that we talked about in the first, the first two uh, steps, which is like the high level context, frame the problems, and then you can kind of, you know, get a running start to the conversation, right? Because typically, you know, we see this all the time. We've got a 30 minute meeting to solve a pretty sticky problem. So the more prepared we can all show up and, and all kind of on, on the same page, the, the faster we're going to be able to, you know, get, get this thing done in real time, you know, to, to get synchronously. And I think a pre-read can really help. Totally agree. I mean, this is how we run our senior leadership team meetings. We yes. ask our people to put in status updates ahead of time so that we're not going around the room and saying, what are you up to this week? What have, what have you accomplished last week? Let's get that out of the way in writing. And then yeah. when you when you come to the meeting, you're totally right that it's it's weird like the first few times you do this where you're yeah. like sitting quietly and everybody's reading but you're on Zoom and you're like what's happening right right, now? right. <laughs> um, but you know it's gotten to a point at least with our team that it's normal like we we've built in that time our former head of product Vicky was very big on this like have the document ahead of time and save everybody the the synchronous time of having to like get up to speed exactly like you said you can provide some of that context in written words let everybody read it and then have the discussion around the bits of it that actually need discussion yeah i mean particularly for like recurring meetings that are about a team coming together and talking about like what you know like you know status update and here that you know here's my team's working on and challenges we found that when we weren't doing the pre-read we would get to the meatiest and most difficult discussions 55 minutes into an hour-long meeting right right? and it's like oh this is what we should have been talking about since you know the beginning of the meeting right and this is why the the pre-read which is like you know people update their status and if somebody has a question you could do it you know in the doc etc so it helps a lot and saves time and it bubbles up the stuff that actually needs discussion exactly versus like here's here's a list of all the things that my team is doing and everything's fine yep <laughs> which is That's less right. helpful another one for for our fourth point i would say pull in underrepresented voices yes um, some people won't say much on their own that is just yes. a fact it, it, personalities are different people are different the culture and the environment that we work in and live in is different and provides certain invisible structures that just naturally put, you know, put people in certain positions. There's also some weird power dynamics that often exist in executive meetings, right? When you're talking to a senior stakeholder and you've got a more junior team, who speaks and when they speak is not always clear. And there's going to be a strong pull for the more senior people or the loudest people to get the lion's share of the meeting. And we have found that it's really effective to work against that yes and to give people a prompt when they need it to make space for people to share their thoughts it doesn't mean that people will always take it right sometimes you don't have anything to say but making sure that you are aware of this especially if you're leading the meeting and you can you can have an eye towards it and be able to say okay you know thanks very much for your contributions jim we're gonna go over to sally sally do you have anything to add you know any response to that like being sort of very intentional about how you are 
uh, pulling in the people who are naturally a little quieter or may not be as inclined to speak is really, really important. And it's going to make the ultimate outcome of the discussion better over time. Absolutely. And a technique that I think that works really well here, you know, for someone who you know is more junior and or maybe just naturally a little bit more quiet and you're leading the meeting or you're presenting an idea and you can open the door to that person, you know, instead of just throwing to them, being like, Sally, anything to say? You could be like, you know, Sally made this great point in a team meeting yesterday. It was this like, Sally, do you want to say mm. more about that? Because it kind of it opens the door. And and, and also, you, even if Sally's like, you know, no, that that's it. You're at least giving credit and naming names like everybody in this room contributed to this in a certain way, even if everyone is isn't speaking in this meeting. I love um, that. That is also a sign of a healthy team yes. that sees and, sees and recognizes one another. I notice when people call out other people on the team who aren't necessarily speaking for their ideas or their inputs or their concerns. Jim raised raised this risk and and it, and, and it, he made a really great point. And so we did X, Y, and Z. And and I notice when someone is you know just using I, <laughs> representing the team's work just just as an I. Um, that's a big one. I love that point. And I would also say sort of related to the to the always using I language. I think there are also people who will constantly try to make their own point by talking over other people. And that's yes. another thing to try to to try to work really consciously against. Um, and if you yes. see it happening, just, you know, pause that person gently and say, thanks so much. Appreciate your input. We're going to go in this different direction. We're going to hear from X, Y or Z or, or you know, redirect a little bit. And that can be a little intimidating and hard to do, but I promise like once you start doing it, it's it's not that bad. Um, and people are generally understanding and, and, and self-aware when you sort of gently push away. And if they're not, then you may have to have a, you know, a conversation yeah. afterwards with their manager or HR or whatever. But being aware of it is like 80% of the battle and just trying to gently redirect when you see it. Definitely. I mean, making space when you see someone about to speak or start start to talk, but then someone gets talked over making space and saying, oh, hey, it looks like, you know, so and so was about to say something. Exactly. That, that's really big. Also, I mean, the fact that, you know, a lot of us work remotely. Sometimes this is like a tech like like, <laughs> you know, you're wearing Bluetooth headphones or your Internet connection isn't as well, isn't as good. So there's a slight like half a beat delay. So you start to, you know, people talk over one another because of like, you know, just the, the video call dynamics um, and being being seeing that and being aware of that, I think, is is uh and, and saying oh it looks like you know aaron was about to say something aaron go ahead i think is is uh is tremendous yeah um and and i also just think that that builds a it, it represents well to the audience that the team is together and cares about one another and is, is 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 looking to one another's cues even in little boxes on a video screen and also just it, it we bring more voices i think when, when more voices represent a, pro a, a proposal it's stronger absolutely absolutely it's going to make a better impression to the executive office or an executive team when you've got several people who are, you know, beating the same drum. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What about takeaways from a meeting? Mm. This is something actually, Chris, that you are very, very good at. Like I I've seen you, uh, you did this just this morning and it's only 1030. You, at the end of a meeting, you will say, so I just want to be clear on exactly what it is that we are doing. So I heard we're doing this, 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 and this. That like, here is our plan. Here are the takeaways. Here's what we're, what we're leaving this meeting. I hate the feeling of like, we're winding down a meeting because we ran out of time or, you know, somebody else had to go or whatever, but like, I don't know what we're doing next. Yeah. That is a terrible, terrible feeling. I'm like, we just right. wasted our time and, I, and I'm not clear. What do we decide on? It can be difficult if you don't have that person who's saying, I just want to clear, you know, be clear from my brain what we're doing. Or if you don't have that person, you know, we don't always have people in a meeting 
taking notes or assigning tasks, which is often, you know, or, you know, distributing that. I mean, sometimes when you're in an executive meeting, you do have that person, but sometimes when you're just in a team meeting trying to figure out a thing, you actually kind of do need to designate that person. That's like, Hey, you know, Emily, can you take this away? Can you, can you go schedule that thing? Or like, you know, you know, Nathan, can you distribute the notes to the team just so we're all clear, but you have to kind of, you have to force that. And I think the more that you you build that muscle of like, okay, you know, now we need the, the takeaways from this meeting. I think then it becomes more natural. Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't happen naturally. I think it's natural to say, I got something else going on. All right, see you later. Thanks, everybody. Have a good day. That's right. You said so many good things there. Number one, you can designate a person up front to do it. I've seen that happen when it's not obvious who should do it. And that's great. Or sometimes someone will volunteer to say, I'm going to make sure we leave this meeting with clear action items. Or I'm yeah. going to make sure that we take notes so that we know what we need to follow up on after the fact. That's great. I think number two, if you're running the meeting, then make it your responsibility to come away with those clear takeaways. Number three, if you're the executive audience, you make sure that everybody leaves the room uh, right. having clear takeaways. And if they're not clear, then ask about them or or restate them, right? This is a technique that I try to use, which is like, here's what I think the takeaways are. Do we have agreement there? Yeah. And sometimes it's right. Sometimes it's not right. And then it can be like, okay, we need to schedule a follow-up or we need to, you know, address this open item in some other, you know, asynchronous way. Yep. So there are a few different ways to get at it, but regardless of your role, everyone should be driving towards clear takeaways. If we're, yes. if we're going to take action, what are those actions and who owns them? Yes. Yes. Even if the next action is we didn't, we didn't come to a conclusion. We have to we get these three pieces of information, you know, let's get those and then gather again. Yes. Which I will admit is my, is the worst kind of takeaway, which is like, let's schedule, <laughs> another, schedule meeting. another meeting. But, yeah. but sometimes, you know, life that that's what happens. That's right. We can't win them all. Yeah, exactly. What do you think about recording meetings? So I love recording meetings. It's not appropriate for every kind of meeting that you're having, but there are so many where a, you know a video recording is so valuable. So if you're doing an exact meeting where you are presenting a final deliverable or a key milestone to a stakeholder, if everybody's comfortable with it, recording that can be so beneficial because you capture things that you can refer back to, like feedback, um, you capture the state of the deliverable at that time, uh, which could be a great accompaniment to like, you know, a, a slide deck or a PDF or a design or whatever it is. And the team, as it evolves over time, can refer back to where things were at that moment by using the recording. Um, so this is, you know, we've used this in the past where we, uh, one of our teams will present a deliverable to a client then, you know, a couple months down the road, we've got new team members who are joining that team. They will go back and watch that video as like a representation of where the platform was at that moment in time and, and you know, how it has evolved. And it's so, so valuable. I also think there are certain kinds of meetings. These are not exec sessions, but like user interviews where it's yes. really helpful that you can, you know, have a transcript that you can refer back to. Internally at Postlight, we use a, a tool called Rewatch, which is like mm -hmm. a repository for uh, video meetings. They all have transcripts. You can search them. I think Zoom has this feature too, where it will auto record sessions that you can, you know, refer back to and search. Um, mm -hmm. So if you can have a, a moment up front where you get consent from people and make sure that everyone's okay with it, I think deferring to, you know, recording where it makes sense uh, is, a, is a great tool to have in your tool belt. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that a recording 
uh, replaces, you know, notes and takeaways. Like, I don't, I don't think it's it's reasonable to totally expect agree. people who couldn't come to the meeting or someone who had to leave early to go back and rewatch the whole recording to find out what happened at the meeting. But I agree that it's really good. Our rewatch archive at Postlight, which we started basically in 2020, I, I, if I'm remembering correctly, yeah, when, yep. when we basically all went remote. It's tremendous because you can you can search, you know, archives and say, like, like, let's look, you know, how did this project go? Or, you know, at one point I pulled up, you know, in all like our end of year all hands in 2020, which is kind of a wild time. You know, kind of you, know, you can see what happened and refer back. And I have to say the thing about rewatch is that the, the, the transcripts and, be, and them being searchable um, is, is, is huge because you can you can go back and say, like, where where was this project at this time? Um, it's tremendous. I think recording something, especially when it is a presentation, can can add, you know, make it extra high stakes because it makes it, you know, kind of more of a performance. You know, we, we record our all hands, but, you know, our all hands, it is a performance. That's right. More than 100 people come to our all, hand, all hands and we prepare and we make sure we have our script right. And so um, it, it makes sense. And not everybody can make it because they're in client meetings. So it makes a lot of sense. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad thing. That's right. Sometimes I like to miss a meeting and then watch a recording and play it at 1.5x speed. And I feel like I, you know, just... I know. It's like I you, were, you were there and you saved time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hack the system. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So we talked about agendas. We talked about pre-reads. So if you're running an exec meeting, what should you prepare and how much? You know, I, I think that slides are a very good tool for a meeting for an in-person conversation i think slides can do the right kind of slides designed well and we can we, we could probably do a whole yeah, episode what do you, about what do you this. mean about that i think we did do an episode on on building a deck but we did do an episode on building a deck but but an in we, what we call the in room right like the in room deck mm-hmm. which is like you are you are having a conversation and you're talking and you know in our line of work we're often talking about technical problems or, or in product issues Having a something, especially in a remote situation, or not, oh, but, but also also in person, but having that thing that people can look at, that sort of visual cue. I mean, I think, look, I think the truth is that all of us are distracted, whether we're in person or remote, by our phones, by our doorbells, by, you know, our email or whatever, you know, whatever's going on. And having that sort of visual touch point, and I'm talking about like a slide with like, a couple of words on it, which is like, this is what, this is the point that we're, you know, <laughs> addressing right now, I think can really help like frame a conversation and keep people sort of, especially when you're, when you're going through, you know, say a list of three or four things related to a problem, keep them kind of like, oh, I see where we are in context, you know, and I can refer back to the earlier points. I think it's very powerful um, to yeah. keep the meeting on track and keep everybody engaged. I think it's hard to track I'm more of a reader than a listener, right? Like I, I reading and writing is, is a better way of communication for me than, than conversation. I think for those people in the audience to have that, those, you know, words on screen and visual cues helps keep everybody kind of engaged and aligned on what you're talking but, about. But Gina, I want to, I want to distinguish between like, because reader, not listener, I think is giving one set of guidance and then, uh, you know, slides with a few words on them, I think is giving a different set of guidance. So yeah, I mean, where, that's true. where do you use those two? Because I think both are valuable. I would argue that maybe reading should be more like a document than a set of yeah. slides. What's effective when you think about how much you want to read versus how much you want to have that touch point that you're referring back to? 
Yeah, I mean, I do not want to read text on a slide, like dense text on a slide. There should a not lot be of paragraphs. A lot of people, a lot of people, see that in the pre-read that works for me. That's good. But like in the meeting, when someone is talking, I don't want to be also reading a paragraphs of text on the slide because then I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting, I'm not digesting either one, you know, exactly. either the voiceover or the text itself. But I think what helps in a, in a, in a slide in an in-room slide deck, what helps is like that those high level, I know, I know there's, you know, bullets can be controversial on slides, but just those, you know, those couple of words that capture mm-hmm. the, the headline or the the idea, the main idea of the voiceover helps me a lot. It helps me tune into the voiceover a lot more and understand just like the outline, you know, of what we're saying, the, the, the main points. That's more of a visual cue than than reading. The pre-read, and that, so we have two kinds of decks. We have the in-room deck, mm-hmm. which is very minimal, visual cues, a couple of words, maybe some some supporting, you know, I- imagery when, when that makes sense. Because people like to look at things instead of each other or, or everyone likes to have that yes. one t- thing that they're looking at in the room. And then we have the, we're going to distribute this deck, the PDF that we're going to email out and we want to send around to people that they're going to read on their own time. Those are different things. That's where you get paragraphs uh, and headlines and decks and, and all those things. This is so good. And I feel like so much of the world has not internalized this. They make the one PowerPoint file that has all the words on it. And then they send it around and okay, but then they get in the room and they just read it to everyone again. And so you're having the pre-meeting time where you're doing reading and then you're having the in-meeting time where you're getting read too. And it's, it's completely backwards. Yes. It's a thing we see all the time with big consulting. And there's a lot that we admire about, you know, the McKinsey's and the Deloitte's of the world, but man, those dense slides, and then you join a meeting and you're getting read the dense slides. It's madness. Like, why are we doing this? It's such a collective waste of time. And what you just outlined for people is so good, which is to to distinguish between the asset that you're sending around and the asset that you're using to present. And yes, that literally means you will have two PowerPoint files or two keynote files on your computer. And that's okay. And sometimes what you have to do is cut and paste in the in-room version. That's right. Take your your detail bullets and move them into presenter notes. And yes. then if you're sharing the information, you are sharing it in a way that is much more conversational and directed to the people in the room as opposed to reading off your slide. Because people, you will lose people within the first 30 seconds. They will tune out and it's like, I don't need to care about this. Yeah. I mean, as soon as you're reading slides, you, you've definitely, you've already lost. Um, and it's fine to have that supporting material in your speaker notes. I'm, I'm a fan of speaker notes. So that's also controversial, but like, I, I like to write them out. I like to refer to them. Reading material straight doesn't, just doesn't make any sense. Right. I mean, you have to be in the room. You have to, you know, tune in what questions were answered. What I, I can see. Okay. This person has these concerns. This person has these concerns. Let me address them when that relevant piece comes out. You know, like that, that's the whole point of doing it a live meeting, right. Is that you can that's respond right. to the questions and concerns in the room and tailor the message to the people in the room, right? The PDF can get emailed, you know, from here to, to Kalamazoo, who, who knows, right? But the meeting is, is ta- should be tailored to the recipient. That's right. If I'm an executive listening to this and I, you know, I'm struggling with this with my team and I'm a chief technology officer, or a chief product officer who, who is getting the, the wrong level of detail with my team, my suggestion here is make this explicit. I think you should yeah. say to your teams, I'd love a pre-read up front that gives me the context and lets me walk into the room knowing what we're going to talk about, what we want to go after. But but in the room, I don't want you to overwhelm me with, with detail and detail. read me slides. 
because that's mm-hmm. not helpful. I want you to have, I forget how you worded it before. It was so great. Like the anchor points that sort of like move us along the journey. Slides are really helpful for that. And that way we can make sure that the conversation we're having is like oriented around something, right? We have the same topic in mind. We have the same end goal in mind, but you don't need to read me the slides. And yep. I, you know, sometimes you need to say that explicitly to your teams so that people understand, oh, okay, I'm off the hook and there's this, there's a better way to do this. Right. Right. And look, sometimes, you know, people will have read the period. People, you know, when I say people, you, you know, your execs, your leaders, your stakeholders, your decision makers, they've already got a pretty strong opinion. So you might go into that meeting thinking, okay, I'm going to set context. I'm going to frame the problems. And I'm going to, uh, you know, guide everybody along to this decision point. And you might have someone say, you know what, I thought about this. And I really think that this is the wrong path. Here's the right path. And then it goes directly into the debate or the conversation. And that's a good thing. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful and wonderful thing. I think that can be intimidating, especially for folks who are getting used to being in rooms with with senior stakeholders. And those are important conversations to have. Those usually mean that there's like a pretty big misalignment with like how your senior leaders are seeing priorities and how the team on the ground. And like, that's where that alignment happens. It's super important to have that alignment. But yeah, I mean, that's a good thing. Like, let's, you know, not duke it out. I was going to say, duke it out but let's debate it let's debate about it why would we do it this way when this is more important right now yes god if there's one thing that people take away from this it's that if if you end up having a better conversation even if it's not the one that you totally intended that that's success success yes yeah yeah totally agree totally agree our last piece of advice is my favorite one (laughs) (laughs) we love canceling meetings cancel the meeting shortening meetings cutting off recurring series making recurring series less often, right? Like figuring Mm -hmm. out ways to work together that are a little bit, I mean, let's face it, meetings are expensive. They're expensive in terms of time. The bigger the meeting, the more expensive the meeting. Exactly. And when you're dealing with senior stakeholders, you're dealing with calendars that are very difficult, right? To find space on. You're dealing with people who are dealing with fire. So if they got to go firefight, you know, today, like that meeting's not going to happen. What are are other ways uh, that things can happen? Can we not have this meeting. Is Can we not reason? have this meeting? Yeah. Why doesn't this happen more? Like, why don't meetings get canceled more or not scheduled in the first place? I feel like there's a strong current towards putting time on the calendar. Like, let's let's meet, let's meet. Yeah. What gives? I think, I mean, a meeting is a, a point in time where you have face-to-face interaction with someone there and their whole attention and it's your chance. Like it's your chance to get the thing that, that you need, right? Like I think people can ignore emails or Slack messages or, or be, you know, scattered. I think a meeting is about, you know, there's like, I just, I need this audience. I, ha- I have to get these people in the rooms. I have to feel like, you know, I'm, I, I have their attention and they know, and I want to be yes. able to say three months from now, we had that meeting and I showed this to you, right? And I think that, you know, it's about, I want to show you the work. I want you to be involved. I want you to, to, you know, affirm that we're on the, the, the right path. I also think that particularly like recurring meetings can sort of, once that they've out, outlived their usefulness, they stay on the calendar because of inertia and momentum and they've just sort of become this ceremony and it, this is just part of my job. You know, I have to I have to go to this meeting. I, I think especially for folks on the ground who are, you know, are, are, are making the work, um, you know, the, the meeting is their, is their time to, to see the team, to socialize and to, and to communicate, you know, what it is that they're doing. And, and I think that that, when you have somebody who has fewer meetings, those meetings become super important, right? When you have somebody who has a lot of meetings, you start to rank the meetings. Now, I mean, I can look at my day and go, oh, these two, these three, these are important and hot and need to happen. I need to prep and I want to be completely there. And then these others like, you know, okay, 
Like I'll go, but uh, you know, not going to be earth shattering if I don't, right? And and so much of that exactly. has to do with like what altitude you're working with, how many meetings you, you typically have, what's on your mind at the moment, what you think is are you know the company's biggest priorities, right? Like if you're in a meeting with an executive, they are going to be you know distracted. Like let me tell you the three things that I'm worried about the most today. I feel like we do this <laughs> we, we do this exercise like yeah. a couple of times a week. Okay, yeah. let me give you my top three. Right, there's always going to be a couple of priorities that are like on your mind, and if that meeting isn't about one of those priorities there's a little bit of a feeling of like uh, like this is fine this doesn't need me right now that was so great i want to state something out loud that i think was kind of an undercurrent of a lot of what you were saying which is that sometimes the meetings are compensating for structures that don't exist elsewhere Mm. whether it be relationship structures or running the project kind of structures or just connection points and if there are no other points of connection, you know, between the project team and the CTO, then those meetings are never going to get canceled, even if the topic of the meeting is not relevant anymore. And you're, oh my God, you're so right about the inertia of recurring meetings where yes. it's so rare that someone's like, you know what, we don't actually need this, or we can go from bi-weekly to monthly or monthly to quarterly. And when it does happen, it's such a gift because it's like, yes, this is, you know, we shouldn't meet just because we've we previously said we needed to meet all the time you know yes that's Um, right and and especially when you're dealing with execs that that every minute is precious you know every hour block on the calendar means an hour that's not thinking about something else going back to this point about structures i would say it's great for it's kind of counterintuitive in a discussion about how to run effective meetings to say you need to have structures to not have the meeting but it's really important and i think that if there are other channels for providing status updates or sharing good deliverables or getting feedback on something that doesn't require synchronous time. Those are so, so, so valuable. And what you may realize is that the more of those support structures you have in place, the less synchronous, we all have to get on Zoom, we all have to get in a room kind of time you need to to take from everybody. It's, it's so true. It's such a good point about having those structures in place for to not have to have the meeting, um, particularly recurring ones. There's another interesting power dynamic thing, political thing that happens, and this has happened to me, where you know maybe you have a recurring meeting with a senior stakeholder or an exec, and this has happened to me internally and with clients. And then one day, the exec or their assistant says, I don't think we need to have this meeting anymore. And, or can we change the frequency, make it less frequent, right? And there's two ways to read that. The negative way is, oh no, they don't right. care about me. The work that I'm right. doing isn't important enough to take their time or, you know, they're icing me out or this just, this isn't, I'm, my work or the thing that we're talking about isn't important enough for them to prioritize in their schedule. That's the negative way to look at it. There's also a positive way to look mm-hmm. at it. And I think that, I think that there are, there are one or two things that are happening. The, the negative thing might be the thing that's happening. Maybe this person just, it's just not a priority for them anymore. That happens and that's real. The other thing that could be happening is that you're doing a great job. And right. that senior stakeholder and that exec is not worried about you. They know that you've got it and you don't need them to drive it forward. You just don't need them. Um, right. They trust you and they see you as a leader and they are like, like if an exec isn't worried about the thing that you're working about, working on, that that is, that's a wonderful, amazing compliment, but it's counterintuitive, right? It yes. doesn't feel like a compliment. It feels like I, I, a diss, like I don't I don't matter as much anymore. And this is something that, this is a weird thing. You, you can't go to the assistant and be like, wait, does this mean that I matter less? 
or I'm doing really great. Like what, and you know, you, you kind of have to like read, you know, read the room. Read um, the tea leaves. But yeah. And I mean, something that I try to do when I'm when suggesting canceling meetings or shortening meetings or making them a little less is say like, you've got this, like we're, we're good. We're out of the stage where you need advice and counsel and sort of North Star alignment. You've got this. We're going. I feel great about this. So keep going. And you know, totally, totally agree. See you around. Um, yep. And, uh, but that's a, that's a cancel meeting cancellations are a wonderful thing, but they can also strike fear in one's heart. Like, oh, does this mean this this isn't going well? Right. Uh, and it, what and it's it worth, shouldn't. It, sh- it shouldn't. I've had execs at our clients cancel meetings and, and lunches. And, and I always, and I still have that feeling of like, oh no, does this mean, <laughs> does this mean that they don't want to spend time together or are they just, you know, busy that day or they're just not worried about it? And it's usually well, Yeah, the right. They're confident in, they're in confident. what we're doing. Yeah. 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 When someone pulls you in a meeting as a senior person says, I, we need to talk today. That's when you should get worried. <laughs> you got a minute? Oh my god! Ooh, the got a minute. We need a, we need another episode. Eight eight ways not to prompt a meeting. <laughs> yes, yeah, got a minute is one of them. One of my uh, one of my favorite ever client service things that happened with us. We were on a call with a prospect at one point, and he and and, and we were talking. And it was a really good conversation. It was one of our first calls, and he was super excited. And he, and and, the, and his face like changed mid meeting. This is on a video call, and he he and we had heard like the slack, you know, sound. Mm-hmm. And he his whole posture changed, his face changed, and then we saw him sort of typing furiously. And then he just looked at us and said like total deer in headlights, like mid sentence, and was like. My boss needs me right now. Like I have to go, and like hung up. <laughs> like, like, and clearly something had just like blown up. And his boss was like, yeah. I, "You need to be in this meeting right now." Um, and and we were just like, "Oh, like oh, like we all felt it." There was like the empathy. It was like, "Oh, that's. I hope it's okay. Like okay, yes. we'll catch up with him some other time. Like I hope all is well." Exactly. <laughs> it was wild really to watch that, that watch that you know happen in real time. Okay, let's let's recap what we, this was a lot. Let's recap this what we lot. talked about. Yeah. Eight ways to run a great exec meeting. Number one, restate context. Number mm-hmm. two, frame the problems. Number three, provide a pre-read. Pre-read, number, yes. Number four, pull in underrepresented voices. Yes. You want to do the last four? Yes. Number five, clear takeaways. I'm telling you, this is the, the Lasaco superpower. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to buy osmosis. I'm trying to get it. <laughs> Uh, record it uh, so that others can catch up or, or watch it at 1.5 speed, which is also life hack. Number seven, prepare slides with not too much text. And then eight is like, cancel it. If you don't need cancel the meeting, it. it's all it's all good. Find other ways to interact with your coworkers about other things uh, that, you know, and, and put, put together the structures that don't require a meeting. That's right. This was, this was great, Gina. Yeah, this meetings. was very cathartic. Meetings. It's, it's the work. We're going to be talking about meetings for till the end of time. All of us as humanity. It's true. true. I got to say though, this is, this was a good meeting. Thank you. It was a great meeting. Let's do it again sometime. Let's do it again sometime. Great. If you would like, if you're listening and you would like to meet with us, we will meet with you. We will meet with you. All you have to do, all you have to do is reach out uh, to hello at postlight.com. Tell us a little bit about what you're working on and a member of our digital strategy team will reach back out. Sometimes it's Gina or me directly. Yeah. And we'd love to say hello and, and talk to you about what's up in your world. Absolutely. We see every single message that comes into hellopostlight.com. And if you need help with digital strategy, product design, engineering, we are here for you. We'd love to, we just love to hear what's going on in the world. So even if you're not ready to to, to hire someone or hire us or work with us, we still want to hear about your project. So reach out, hellopostlight.com. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day of meetings. (laughs) Bye. Bye.